We've come to the last part in a six-week series on spiritual battles. And uh, Mark will be speaking to us in a moment. Before we do that, let's uh, uh, listen to God's word. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Listen to the word of God. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Thanks, Grant, and good evening, everyone. It's great to see you here tonight, uh, the last of this series. I've enjoyed this series. I found it um, been very challenging for myself, putting it together and, and preaching through it, and hugely helpful, and I pray that it's been useful to all of us, and if you've missed any of the weeks, they are online. Uh, we've also put the, the PowerPoints and the handouts online, so you can always download and, and keep up. Uh, so we pray it can be useful to you uh, beyond tonight. Uh, one of my, my favourite phrases that I uh, quote from time to time is that of Martin Luther, who famously once said, um, I want a faith that has legs and can walk about. Wonderful, isn't it? And what he's talking about is he wants, he, he's, it's an expression of his heart saying, what I believe, the faith that I have, I want it to make a difference in my life. What I believe and what I know, if it doesn't make a difference, then what's the point? Uh, it's rather like faith without action is dead in the book of James. Uh, and I certainly want a faith that has legs and can walk about, and I hope that you do too. Uh, well, I hope this series, firstly, has informed our minds, particularly that first week when we looked at who the devil was. It, uh, it was entitled, um, Understanding Our Enemy. I hope that our minds have been informed and we know something more of the devil uh, and how he works and who our enemy is. But I hope far more than just knowing more stuff about the devil, I hope that our hearts have been warmed and we've been encouraged in how we fight the devil. Which is why every week there's been this repeated phrase, for every look at the devil, has it finished? Gaze at God. There we go. For every look at the devil, gaze at God. He's a very real enemy. You do need to look at him. You need to understand him. You need to recognize that he's real. But he's not as great or as powerful by any means as the living God that we serve. So we look at the devil, but we gaze at God. 
And as we sort of come full circle into uh, week six of this little series, that's really what we're going to do. My primary aim tonight is to encourage us. We're going to gaze at God tonight and think about ultimately what it means to stand in his victory um, over Satan. If you just look at the reading that Grant's just read to us, I want you to notice the words in yellow. These are great declarations of the Lord Jesus. Who is he? The Son is the image of the invisible God. It's a claim for Jesus Christ being divine. Verse 17, he is before all things. A claim of Jesus Christ being eternal, uncreated. And verse 18, he is the head of the body. He is the head of our church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. These are great statements which point us to the Lord Jesus. Uh, And when we think about standing in his victory, it really matters that we understand who he is. He is these things. He's not sometimes these things. He's not wishing he were these things. He is everything that we read in this passage, which is hugely important when we are addressing a series and an issue of standing, trusting in his victory. Because if he's not who he says he is, then we don't want to trust him at all. Notice as well some words that are coming up in pink on the screen. What he is, he is in totality. He is the firstborn over all creation. Not some of creation, all of it. All things have been created through him and for him. Not some things. Everything has been created by him. He is before all things because he's uncreated And in him, all things hold together. So we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, creator and sustainer of all things. And then you get a bit later on in verse 19. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. I just wanted to point those things out as we begin. So as you visibly look at the passage, you can notice that these are incredible statements about who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ has power over. Because grasping that's going to help us as we journey through this passage tonight. So I'd like to pray as we come to this passage uh, with those things in mind. Let me pray that these truths on the screen behind us would be really real to us tonight and encourage us uh, as we look at this passage together. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray this series has been useful for all of our hearts. I pray that far more than just informing our minds, I pray that... It would be making a difference in the way that we live the Christian life. And tonight as we think about what it means to stand in the victory of Jesus Christ over Satan. Please remind us all the way through tonight of who Jesus Christ is. And over what Jesus Christ has dominion, power and authority. Father thank you that we do not worship a dead God. A lame God. A powerless God. Thank you that we worship the infinite. And so give us encouragement, we pray, that as we finish this series and as we go from here to serve you tomorrow morning, that you would help us to stand on your victory for the glory of God. Amen. Uh, for the last time in this series, there's a little handout. I hope it's helpful. Um, I hope you were given one when you came in. It, uh, it should be useful, and particularly at the end when you're going to do a little bit of work yourself, then uh, you'll need one. So if you haven't got one, then um, squeak or wave or something, and someone who's got a few can hand them out to you. Um, just to recap, though, where we've been. Uh, the first week, we, we looked at this whole topic of understanding our enemy. And on the screen were the images I showed you in the first week. And the point I was trying to make is these are the sort of thoughts and images that the world has of the devil, kind of comical 
Halloween-esque kind of images. Kind of tame, naughty but nice. But we, we looked at these images to say, actually, as we looked in the scriptures, the devil is very different. The devil is real. A very real and very powerful spiritual being. And we looked at some of the descriptions of the devil. He is the deceiver. He is the father of lies. This is how the world portrays the devil, but not how the Bible portrays the devil at all. So we have a very real enemy, and we need to know that. Second week, we thought about the war being over, but the battle still raging. This idea that if Jesus has already won the victory over Satan on the cross, ultimately, why do we still live in a broken world? Why is it so difficult sometimes? Why is there so much suffering And why does the devil seem to have such a grip on this world? And we grappled with some of those difficult things. Now, the third week, if you remember, we were looking at the story of Gideon and this whole area of self-reliance and uh, obedience to God. We were thinking about how God whittled down the army of Gideon to prove that the victory over God's people's enemy was not done by human strength, but was done through the grace and strength of the Lord God. And one of the phrases I ended that talk one was, you and I will not stumble into fervent prayer. Prayer is one of the greatest expressions of dependence on God, and you will not become a real prayer warrior just by chance. It's something we have to work at, and that prayer is a real spiritual battle for many of us, for all of us. And prayer is not easy. Now, the fourth week... We looked at the idea of battling to love when it's easier to keep our distance, particularly looking at relationships within the church. How do we deal with people who have upset us, who rub us up the wrong way? How do we fight for unity in the church? Because unity isn't just a given. It's a a real spiritual battle. We have to fight by God's grace to love one another. Uh, Then Grant took us through last week uh, battling to be faithful in a world of distraction, thinking about uh, materialism. How is it that the devil can distract us and make us really comfortable in this life? Um, This world is all there is. Let's just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die, that kind of idea. And how do we battle to actually live for the kingdom to come? And then this week, we're looking at how do we battle to stand uh, in the victory of Christ. Now, as you can see on on the uh, the board here, I've drawn these perfect circles. Uh, I want to try and illustrate this kind of battle that we wrestle with, okay? If this first circle represents the kingdom of Darkness. This is the realm which Satan rules. This is the area where he has influence. And every person who has not yet put their trust in the Lord Jesus ultimately is under Satan's power, which is a frightening thing to think about. But the other one is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God describing the rule of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Jesus came into the world, didn't he say, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe. He's ushering in this new kingdom. And the kingdom of God belongs to Jesus Christ and all those who know him and trust in him. But we don't live, once you become, you move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. As you put your trust in the Lord Jesus, it's not like you're entering into a completely separate world where every influence of the kingdom of darkness is gone. Because that's a picture of heaven. In this world, we still grapple. We may belong to the kingdom of God, but we're still grappling with the influences of the kingdom of darkness. So actually, the Christian life is more lived here. In this kind of Venn diagram, it's this area here. Yes, I belong to the kingdom of God, but there's still influences on me from the kingdom of darkness. I live here. And this is really where the spiritual battles are fought in our lives. Because the battle is between good and between evil, between Satan and between God himself. And as I read, one very ancient commentator said, you or I are either a trophy of the devil 
or we're a trophy of the living God. Because both the, the living God and the devil are fighting for you and your heart, fighting for every heart of every person in this world. And so we live in this area at this time. Yes, I belong to the kingdom of God, but I'm influenced by the kingdom of darkness. Do you remember in the second week we were in Revelation chapter 12 and we talked about the devil being the accuser, the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night. This is what the devil is doing. Every time you mess up, every time you doubt, every time you make a mistake, the devil is, as it were, speaking to God and saying, look at how they mucked up. Look at how hopeless they are. They belong to me. But here's the glorious truth we also looked at in Revelation chapter 12. And it's actually, uh, the, word, the phrase we're going to use actually comes from 1 John chapter 2. Uh, this is a, a glorious truth. We have one, Jesus Christ, who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And we looked at this, didn't we, in the second week. Every time the devil says, he's hopeless, she's mucked up, the Lord Jesus Christ says, but I died for her and I love her. He belongs to me and I'll never let him go. And this is where the wrestling is going on. Satan trying to grab your heart, the living God who has your heart and will not let it go. So as you reflect on that little diagram there and you come back to where we started, this is why this is so important. If there is this wrestling match going on, if there is this battle that you and I are living in, does it not matter so much that Jesus Christ is all of these things? Does it not matter that Jesus Christ has power and dominion over all of these things? Because if he wasn't these things, and if he didn't have this power, then we'd have a very real reason to be very, very afraid, because we know the devil is powerful. But I want to encourage us tonight that however powerful the devil is, the Lord Jesus Christ is far, far more powerful. And if you stay close to him and in his grip, he will never, ever let you go. So two things that you'll see if you turn to the second page on your handout. Two things that I'd love us just to, to draw our attention to in this passage. And the first one, which comes in verses 15 to 17, is that the Lord Jesus Christ is king over creation. Have a look at verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The firstborn there is a, a, a title, really. It's a, a word that is used as a, as a phrase of honor. It's a, it's a title given to an heir. So the firstborn son is the heir of the estate, inherits all that his father owns. It's a title of uniqueness. So to talk about him being the firstborn over creation is talking about the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. He is the heir of all things. And we read in this wonderful uh, chapter or verses that we had read, all creation belongs to him. But why does it belong to him? What did verse 16 say of our passage? For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. So we're talking about the, the physical realm here and the spiritual realm, whether thrones, powers, rulers or authorities, all things were created by him, and were created for him. But not only is he the creator of everything, he's also the sustainer, verse 17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And the astonishing thing about this, you think about the cosmos. The Lord Jesus Christ sustains the universe, the planets that motion as they do, in perfect symmetry, and to, to stay exactly where they need to stay for the universe to hold together. He sustains that 
but he also sustains the tiniest life on this planet. He sustains your life and my life. He's the sustainer of everything, cosmic and tiny. So you think of the temptation of Jesus. I spent some time reflecting on this. You know when the devil tempted Jesus, took him up to a really high place and said, look out over everything you can see. What was the astonishing words the devil spoke? All this I will give to you if you bow down and worship me. What's completely and utterly crazy about the devil there? It's not his to give. I will give you all of this. And Jesus says, well, it's mine anyway. I created it. I created everything. Even you, the devil, a fallen spiritual being, were created by me. It would be like, in a tiny comparison, it would be like me going down to London and maybe seeing a tourist at Buckingham Palace and they're, they're wowing at this great palace and they've never seen it before. And I sort of saunter over them with a bit of a swagger and slightly arrogantly get a £10 note out of my pocket and say, look, if you give me another tenner like this, I'll give you Buckingham Palace. It's not mine to give. And when the devil says, I'll give you all of this, it's not his to give. It's ridiculous. It shows you how pathetic Satan is. I will give you everything that is yours anyway. He is the king over creation. Everything that you've enjoyed in this world, everything you've experienced, he is the source of and the sustainer of. And that really matters when it comes to spiritual battles because he controls everything. But what else do you see? He's not only king over creation. Come to verse 18 to 20. He's also king over death. Verse 18. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he may have the supremacy. Remember firstborn is a title. It's talking about an heir. It's a very unique title. And it's a title here. Not only is he the firstborn among creation, verse 15, he is the firstborn from among the dead. Jesus Christ is the only one who is the source of life, and therefore death has no hold over him. Why then, Paul declares, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? When Jesus Christ hung on the cross and died, he was the only person who ever died who had life within himself. And that was the reason he was able to be raised to new life. And that is the exact reason why he is able to raise you to new life and why none of us should have any fear of death if we're trusting in Jesus Christ. It was exactly what uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, Peter said at uh, Pentecost in Acts chapter 3, verse 15. He declared, didn't he, uh, you killed the author of life, the author of all life, the creator of all things. You killed him, but he didn't stay dead because you killed the author of life. And he had life within himself, so was able to be raised by his father. And friends, because he's the author of life, because he is the firstborn from among, among the dead, death no longer holds you if you're trusting in him. And one of great, the Satan's greatest desires is death. It's the kingdom of darkness. It's the kingdom of death. He wants death to be the end. He wants to have a hold in death. But he doesn't. Because when Jesus cried on the cross, it is finished. Death was smashed to pieces. Do you remember Revelation chapter 12 in our second week? The words are on the screen. Uh, we're in this sort of apocalyptic uh, language, sort of sim- um, symbolism. It's difficult to understand, but I put in, in yellow uh, where we worked out what these things meant. The dragon representing Satan was enraged at the woman representing God's church. And so he goes off to make war against the rest of her offspring. That's you and me. 
those who obey her commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. If you live in the kingdom of darkness, it's not really a spiritual battle because the devil just has a hold over you. You're not wrestling with anything. You just belong to him. But the second you step into the kingdom of God and you put Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is when the battle gets firm and fierce. And exactly as this verse says, when we hold to the commands of Jesus Christ, when we profess faith in him, when we're baptized and we put our trust in him, when we seek to be faithful to him when the life is difficult, that is when the devil will get hardest and toughest against us. Exactly as we see on the screen behind us. If you want to be faithful for Jesus and make a stand for him, it will be a very real spiritual battle. But let's sort of pull, pull some of this together. Martin Luther, I want a faith that has legs and can walk about. If Jesus Christ is king over creation... If he is king over death, both of those are true. Uh, What difference will that make in my life? Let's keep looking at this kind of diagram here and come to our passage and look at the wonderful words of verses 21 to 22. Because they describe this diagram. Verse 21 is a picture of the kingdom of darkness. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. When a person doesn't know God in a real and personal way, when Jesus Christ is not their Lord and Savior, you're not just a nobody and you don't believe in God. This, describes, this passage describes that person as an enemy of God. An enemy in our mind because it's this conscious decision, I don't want God in my life. If you think about your own life, for those who are trusting in Christ, and you think about your own story, this was a description of you. It was a description of me. I was once alienated from God. I was once an enemy of the living God who created me and loved me for all of eternity because of my evil behavior. That's what I was. And this is why the cross of Christ should get you excited because that is what I was, but look at what I am now. Look at what you are now. Look at verse 22. He rescues you from the kingdom of darkness and he brings you into the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you're a person who struggles with self-esteem or perhaps struggles with the idea that God can love you, just look at these words. That is what I once was. But by the grace of God, that is what I am now. All by the grace of God, rescued from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of of God. Isn't that word reconciled or reconciliation such a special word? It's, it's a word that talks about you and I being brought back into a relationship with God. And, and throughout the book of Colossians, it's quite a, a, a well-used phrase. Um, just jump back to chapter 1, verse 13. You have been brought into the kingdom of the Son. That's talking about reconciliation, brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his Son. Have a look at chapter 1, verse 20. Reconciling to himself all things brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. Or jump forward to chapter 2, verse 15. Uh, This lovely phrase, triumphing over the devil on the cross. And the greatest triumph of Jesus Christ over Satan on the cross was that the kingdom of darkness that represents death and separation from God was broken and you and I were rescued by Jesus Christ and brought into 
the kingdom of God. Reconciled. And you were reconciled, notice verse 22, by Christ's physical body. Here's the astonishing truth. You or I deserve to be punished by God, but he died in our place. A physical death for you or I, physical beings. Not just a a demonstration of love. We looked at this last time. Far more than a demonstration. Actually dying in your place, which is why it was a physical death and then a physical resurrection, because you and I will one day physically die and then be raised to new life. He's reconciled us, brought us into a relationship with him. Through Christ's physical body, he died that we might live and to make us or present us holy. That's a, a wonderful phrase that's talking about you or I being set apart for God. Think about this, how astonishing that is. You were once part of the kingdom of darkness, but God didn't just rescue you because he fancied rescuing you. He rescued you and brought you into the kingdom of God because he wants you to be holy to be separated from the kingdom of darkness, to be set apart for him because you belong to him. And not only holy, what does the passage go on to say? This is astonishing. Without blemish and free from accusation. Of course you're covered in blemishes, which is why every time you muck up, Satan is there speaking to God saying, look at her, she's covered in dirt. Look at him, he keeps mucking up. But in heaven we have... Jesus Christ speaking on our behalf. And when the devil says, look at her, she's useless. Look at him, he keeps mucking up. Jesus Christ says, no, she's perfect. He's perfect because I have clothed him in my righteousness. I have clothed her in my righteousness. So even though you are full of blemish, full of mess and dirt and sin and rebellion against God, when Jesus Christ looks at you, when God the Father looks at you, he sees without blemish and free from accusation. Isn't that astonishing? Where has he brought you from and where has he brought you to? And all of this means, verse 23, if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Why is the gospel so, so, so important? Exactly in this book of Colossians, one of the big issues that the church was facing is this whole idea of gospel plus. People were coming along going, I know you've trusted in Jesus, but dot, 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 add to it. And Paul comes along and goes, no, no, you cannot move on from the gospel because the gospel is everything. Jesus Christ is everything. So we are to continue in our faith by continuing to trust in Jesus. And perhaps the greatest spiritual battle that you and I will ever face in our life is this battle, the battle to cling to Jesus. Because every bit of me wants to fight on my own or believe I'm not even in a fight at all. But the glorious truth is Jesus Christ has already gone ahead. He's already won the victory. And so our battle, our fight ultimately is to cling to him, to cling to all that he has done for us. Now that is why that phrase, for every look at the devil, gaze at God, matters so, so much. We gaze at God. Why? Because it's in him that we have the victory. He's already won it for us. And all we've got to do is stick with him. This is exactly what Ephesians chapter 6 is about. Do you know the passage, put on the full armor of God? When we misunderstand that passage, putting on the full armor of God, we kind of think that means I have to battle now. And he'll give me some armor to help me in the fight. 
It says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Whose righteousness is that? God's righteousness. The shield of faith. Faith in who? The living God. Put on the helmet of salvation. Who's won salvation for you? Jesus Christ. Surrounded with the belt of truth. The truth about who? Jesus, who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. With the sword of the Spirit. His strength in me, not my strength in myself. And all those descriptions in Ephesians chapter 6 of putting on the armor of God throughout the scriptures are descriptions of God himself. And we, when we preach for Ephesians, and I preached on this passage, you can go back and listen to it online, I showed us all the different references there are references of God himself in the Old Testament who is battling for his people. So when I put on the armor of God, what am I ultimately doing? I'm clothing myself in Christ. I'm covering myself in his victory and what he has done for me. And so friends, if you want to resist the devil, if you want to fight the devil, you do it by looking at Jesus Christ. You do it by clinging to the gospel and all that he's done for you. You do it by loving Jesus Christ and continuing to love him. However hard life gets, however distant from him you feel, however unlovable you feel you might be, we fight the enemy by rejoicing in what Christ has already done. Does that, in a sense, take a great burden of responsibility from your shoulders? You don't have to be this superhero who goes into battle and beats Satan yourself. You have to look to the cross to a God who's already done it for you. That old phrase is often used, the way in to the Christian life is the way on. And that is the book of Colossians. You never, ever, ever move on from the gospel. You never graduate from the gospel. It's impossible. You cling to Christ and you keep clinging to Christ. And when you can't cling to Christ because life gets so tough, you bring other Christians around you and they say, together we'll cling to Christ. And that way we win the victory. Just in the last few moments, I want you to do a little bit of work. If you just turn to the back of your handout. On your handout and on the screen in yellow, you'll see a number of commands from letters in the New Testament. And they are commands of what you as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ must do. You must take your stand against the devil's schemes. You must resist the devil. You must not give the devil a foothold. You must, again, resist the devil. What I'd like you to do, either quietly on your own or you can get into little groups or work with the person next to you, I'd like you to look at the fuller context of the verses that are on the screen. And if you've got a pen, jot them down on your bit of paper. Because there are commands of what you must do, but I want you to notice what comes before each of them. I'll just give us a few minutes to work through that together. Let's, um, let's work through some of these together. Uh, the, we're going to finish with this, but the reason that we're looking at this is because I want us to go home with just one thing in our mind, and it's the same thing in every one of these verses. So by looking at four things that basically say the same thing, hopefully we'll remember the one thing, okay? So let's work through this. Of course, Ephesians chapter 6, you and I have to take our stand against the devil's schemes. But how does that chapter 6 verse 10 begin? Finally, be strong in the Lord. Yes, you've got to take your stand against the devil's scheme. But how? By being strong in the Lord. It's just what we've looked at, isn't it? And then James chapter 4. Good, resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's your command, what you've got to do. But how do you do it? Submit yourselves then to God. Beginning to get the picture? Third one, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, 24 to 27. 
Brilliant. Put on the new self. Do not give the devil a hold. Put on the new self, created to be like God. That's how you stand and fight, by clothing yourself in Christ. And then the last one, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Resist the devil, but standing firm in the faith. Every one of these passages does give you a command. Yes, we're in a battle. The Christian life is difficult, and the more you seek to be faithful to the Lord Jesus, the tougher the Christian life will get. But as you live out these commands, the Scriptures teach us we do it by standing in his victory, by looking to him, by thanking him for every one thing he's done for us in Jesus Christ. So I hope as we've journeyed in these six weeks from the beginning, understanding our enemy, looking at some practical ways in which the spiritual battles play out in our lives in very real ways and ended up here, that in many ways this talk, this evening has been a summary of the whole thing. For every look at the devil, gaze at God. Because as you stay close to the living God, you will always, always be on the winning side. And I really hope and pray that's given us as a church and as individuals more and more confidence to fight the devil by licking at the cross and thanking Jesus for everything he's done for us. What I'd love you to do is just take a moment. Uh, There's a little box on the bottom of your handout. I'd love you to just take away one thing. Uh, If it's one thing from tonight or perhaps one thing from one of the previous nights that you've really learned that's really helped you, just write down one thing and let that be your prayer each day this week that this series will have helped you with just one thing in how you're going to live for the Lord Jesus. And then when you've had a moment to do that, then the band are going to come up and lead us in a final song. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder. It's It's a great celebration of all that God is. And we'll close our service by lifting our eyes to him. And we'll have a time of prayer at the end. Just take a moment, though, to fill in that box, if that's a helpful way for you to reflect. At the end, when um, Tom and the band have led us through this final song, I, I'd love us to stay standing, and it would be really good if a few people could respond to what we've been learning together in this series by praying out loud um, prayers of praise, prayers of thanks, prayers for help from the living God to help us to continue living the Christian life in light of all that we've learned. It'd be great if you could just raise a hand. I'll come around with the mic so and everyone else can benefit and hear you clearly. But let's stay standing after we've sung, and uh, we'll praise God for a few minutes in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have delivered us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son whom you love. Thank you that we are much loved. Thank you for the wonderful privilege it is to belong to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. Thanks that we stand in him and by him. Thank you that he is supreme, God over all, over all creation over the church and thank you that his death is perfectly sufficient to present us holy and blameless before you lord jesus we pray that as a church our eyes would be forever fixed upon the victory of the lord jesus his sufficient death and his glorious resurrection to new life help us to stand firm on these truths until we are fully and perfectly reconciled and brought into your everlasting kingdom forever And we pray this for Jesus' sake and for his glory. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, thank you for creating us in your image. And thank you for giving us the power to fight our earthly battles. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this series that we've just been doing. I want to thank you that you've used Mark to teach us 
how much you love us. And I want to thank you for one thing that you've made us feel so very special today. And I just pray, Father, for all of us that when we do mess up, we will remember to look to you. And we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Mm. Through the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. What a faithful God you are, Lord. You've provided everything that is necessary for our salvation. And Lord, we just stand amazed in your presence because, Lord, the work is perfect. Help us, though, Lord, to be faithful in carrying out our part, Lord, in resisting the devil, Lord, and doing that which is necessary. Lord, may we constantly be on our guard because we have a wily enemy. Lord, we need your strength to resist him. But Lord, you have promised to supply that if we will put our hand in yours. We thank you in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we praise you for being so wonderful. You created everything and you are in everything and you hold together everything. And wherever we look, Lord Jesus, we just see your greatness and your loving kindness and care. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the strength you give for for us uh, when fighting the enemy. Thank you that we can gaze at you and we are just um, amazed by your greatness and we love you and we praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the assurance for our future. Thank you for sealing it with your blood. Amen. Amen. So, Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit tonight that we would go from here trusting in the lord jesus confident of our salvation confident that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world please send us out here to faithfully battle in your strength full of your spirit with great joy with assurance of your love thank you that the victory has been won and help us to stick with jesus this week amen